Welcome to the Besties with Breasties podcast. Sarah Hall here. I am a certified health and wellness coach, athletic trainer, mom, and breast cancer survivor. I help women overcome their own mind drama to make mind shifts that open up the possibility for their most empowered and energetic life. And I am Beth Wilmus, author, speaker, and founder of a human investment organization, otherwise known as a nonprofit called Faith Through Fire. Our mission is to reduce the fear and anxiety that breast cancer patients feel and replace it with hope and a path toward thriving. This podcast is about our experiences with breast cancer and life after as young survivors and moms. Hello. 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 All right. We're going to bring some more energy. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I'm getting excited because we're getting closer to lunch. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're so both hungry. we're both intermittent fasting, so we're like the countdown is we're on. So, I got up really early this morning, which for me is like five five thirty is early for and me. You haven't eaten yet, and I haven't eaten. It's eleven thirty. I know. Yeah, yeah. well, I oh eat at noon. That's I eat crazy. at noon. That's my first meal. But when I get up that early, I get hungry way sooner. So, oh my gosh, you're gonna get like halfway through this episode and be like, Rah! well, I have my lunchbox right here by the mic, angry. so. If you hear me chomping, it's because I couldn't wait anymore. <laughs> so professional. All right. Totally All right. Unre- totally unrelated, but I have a totally. question for you. Yes. Have you ever had a pain or irritation within your own body impact you so much that it started to change your mind? Yes. Okay. So this is what came to mind when I was thinking about this episode. Because we're talking about pain. Okay. To- yeah, pain. Well, chronic, I mean, it could be a pain. pain or an irritation of some sort. Like it doesn't. I thought it, we were talking about chronic pain. We are talking about chronic pain, okay. but we could. You could talk about irritation. It's the same thing. If it affects yeah. your mind, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So this was an irritation. This is like more gut related and not like musculoskeletal related. <laughs> the athletic okay. trainer in me is popping out, <laughs> showing. I was having some gut issues for a while, so much so that I avoided eating and this sounds very much like i have an eating disorder right as it comes out of my mouth i say that but it's not i mean but i did i stopped like at first it started like i stopped looking forward to eating Mm -hmm. and then i just had terrible mindsets about it like lunch would be coming up and i'd be like oh i don't want to eat like what happens if i eat something and it really messes up my gut yeah yeah yeah. so it just like completely made like mess with my mind and then i'd get to the end of the day and i'd be like wow what did you really eat today sarah Mm-hmm. Like you're just avoiding it. So. I ha- I had so with this surgery that I had on my arm, I've had some mobility issues with it, and I'm yes. going to PT for it. And the surgeon offered the suggestion that because I've been in pain from uh-huh. the surgery, that I am making my mobility worse because I'm tensing my body. Uh huh. And then like essentially, he kind of said, you know, I think you're so worried about being in pain that you're proactively like yeah, you're making guarding. it. You're making it worse. Yeah. Which my initial reaction was like. Ugh. That's so annoying when doctors say it's in your head. Like, because my sister, and I've talked about this before, my sister got told when she had fibromyalgia, like, oh, the pain's probably, like, mostly in your head. And Uh I just find that so invalidating. Yeah, you want to punch him in the face. Right. You want to punch him in the face. At the same time, I do kind of think there's some truth that when you're in pain your mind compounds the situation. Yeah. So I'm kind of interested to talk, you know, to our guests. We're having a guest today who treats patients uh, holistically for chronic pain. Yep. So we're going to talk about what is chronic pain. And then we're going to talk about some typical symptoms of chronic pain and how they can show up physically. But here's the big one, also mentally. Right. And then we're going to talk about, you know, Jason's work. That's our guest. What it looks like going to see him when he treats things holistically versus maybe seeing a pain doctor. So before we introduce Jason, or say hello, let's listen to our first sponsor. Thrive In is a proud sponsor of Faith Through Fire. 
Thrivent believes money is a tool and not a goal. The Gateway Financial Group with Thrivent is local to the St. Louis area and can work with you to create a financial strategy that reflects your priorities and helps you protect the things that matter to you, like family and giving back. Please call 314-783-4214 to schedule a free consultation with one of Thrivent's Gateway Financial Advisors. All right, we are back. So Jason is with us today. Jason is a physical therapist who specializes in treating individuals with chronic and complex pain conditions. So he currently works in the field of pain management. He earned his doctor of physical therapy, his DPT, from the Medical College of Georgia in 2011. He is a certified therapeutic pain specialist through the International Spine and Pain Institute. He's a certified health and wellness coach through Well Coaches Corporation. And Jason has a passion for understanding and treating pain as he has seen the devastating effects of persistent pain on his patients and loved ones alike. His approach to helping those living with persistent pain is multidimensional and incorporates education, coaching, and psychologically informed practices. Well, welcome, Jason. Thanks for being on. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here. Can you kind of explain for those listening, chronic pain, what it is, why it's a special interest to you? Because we have a lot of women, not a lot, but we have some women that experience chronic pain after breast cancer, but not everybody listening might understand what that is. And they might have chronic pain that's outside of breast cancer. Right? Yeah. 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 It's a really good question. There are a lot of definitions that you could find for what chronic pain means, but generally, any pain that persists inside of someone's body in a specific area for three to six months or more, which is your typical healing time for injury or after surgery. So anything that goes on beyond three to six months is considered chronic or persistent. And this is an area that I've been interested in for a long time, in part because I've seen the effects of chronic pain on people in my life that I care about very, I'm very close with. And for a good while, a good duration of time in my clinical practice as a physical therapist, I was seeing a lot of folks who were coming into the clinic with chronic pain of different kinds, chronic back pain, neck pain conditions. And around that time, there was a, a TED talk that I'd been recommended to watch by a guy named Lorimer Mosley. He's a physical therapist and a neuroscientist. And from that day forward, the door has had opened up to all these new possibilities as to under, how to better understand chronic pain and how to treat it. And in that understanding is that with chronic pain, there are very real changes that occur in your body, but primarily to your nervous system. And there are so many things that affect the nervous system that we as healthcare providers and physical therapists can offer up to try to help calm the system down. I think something that's really important to just point out, especially when you're talking about the nervous system, is that because a lot of people don't really realize that your nervous system is that fight or flight within you, which I feel like a lot of people have heard that phrase. So it's that that part of you that sees something and gets scared or hears a noise in the dark of the night and like tenses up and then it keeps you awake for an hour. Or it's the the flip side of that is it's the part of your body that allows you to calm down. It's the rest and digest. It's the it's the part that counteracts that. So I just want to make sure that people understand. So it's kind basically of the when system. it's when it's kind of flipped on and it never shuts off is when you're at risk for chronic pain. Is that fair? Yeah, that's that's a, a, a fair way of characterizing it. And there's a lot of things that can activate or elevate the activity of the nervous system. And I think it's kind of funny that 
in the word nervous system is the word nervous. And when there's more <laughs> fear and anxiety in a person's life related to the condition that they're having, whatever health condition they might have, mm-hmm. or in other areas of their life, you tend to see more activation of the system in what most people may have heard of it, which is the stress response. And that, yeah, it, you could say is a predisposing factor for who does and who doesn't develop chronic pain. You know, it's interesting. I like the terminology stress response. What Sarah mm-hmm. and I were saying before is we hate when people say it's in your head. <laughs> yeah. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because it feels like a lot of chronic pain patients hear that to some degree from mm-hmm. the medical community, like how much of this is self-inflicted or it's in your head. But we right. were just trying to find that balance because your mind does affect your body. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it's not minimizing the actual physical pain that you're in. Is that you think you think, Jason? Absolutely. It's very tricky territory. I I take a lot of time to explain pain to patients, and I use a lot of different examples and metaphors to do that. And there are some important things to understand that can be misleading or be misinterpreted. For example, without a brain, there is no pain. So Mm -hmm. you have to have a brain to hurt. But that does not mean that pain is in your brain or in your head. Mm -hmm. Pain is what you feel and where you feel it. But I think it's important for people to understand that without the nervous system, there is no experience whatsoever. So you won't be able to feel anything in any part of your body. So things that might affect your nervous system is going to affect the quality of that experience. So yeah, the it's all in your head explanation or interpretation that people will get isn't only wrong, it's also really unhelpful. So I try to characterize it or or, or describe it in a way that's both accurate and useful. Yeah. I think so many patients, and we just see this more and more, have the expectation of whole person care. Yeah. And Mm. so it is really unhelpful when it's characterized as one or the other, right? It's in your head or it's physical pain, but it can't be both. Well, well, I think it's also what like can shut you down in in a typical healthcare setting is that if you're seeing somebody and it's maybe a you know, a doctor for, for your cancer and, you know, you're telling them about a pain. And then as soon as you hear that it's in your head, it's like, well, now this doctor can no longer help me (laughs) because it's very, healthcare is very compartmentalized nowadays. And now you're like, great. That's an interesting Not only are you on, you're not validating my feelings, but now you are no longer the person that can help me. Yeah. That's an interesting point. I hadn't thought about how, when they dismiss your feelings on that, that you have now made up your mind that they are not in a position to help you in any way. Exactly. That's so true. Yeah. That's so true. When somebody denies your, ex- you know, your experience, mm-hmm. you immediately cross them off your list as a resource. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting how that could really Absolutely. damage credibility within the medical community. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Well, before we kind of launch into different symptoms or typical symptoms we see from patients in chronic pain and our own experience with patients in chronic pain, you want to do Boobs in the News? Let's do Boobs. Boobs in the News is a fun segment where we read funny tweets by real people or ridiculous news stories. Boobs in the News. Boobs in the News. Boobs in the News. Okay. This is, you ready for this one? Wee wee. This is a weird one. Okay. Forest lizards genetically morph to survive life in the city. (laughs) So they're not forest lizards anymore. I mean, they have adapted so that they can live in a city environment instead of the forest. Oh, which is sad. It's sad and it's weird. It's like too much. I want to know what the, do you have a picture of what these forest lizards look like? Yeah, look at it. They're like little brown, gross looking. 
Oh, okay. I see it now. He's like on a chain link fence. Yeah. Okay. So basically it says lizards that once dwelled in forests, but now slink around urban areas have genetically morphed to survive life in the city. Researchers have found. So this is out of Puerto Rico. Okay. Uh So you got to know that first. Okay. So it says the Puerto Rican crested anole, a brown lizard with a bright orange throat fan. Ooh, that sounds very Jurassic Park. (laughs) (laughs) Has sprouted special scales to better cling to smooth surfaces like walls and windows and grown larger limbs to sprint across open area. Wow. Well, if you didn't think uh, uh, evolution to fit your environment was a real thing. Well, that's exactly what they said. There you go. Yeah. We are watching evolution as it's unfolding, said Kristen Winchell, a biology professor at NYU. And I guess she did a study on this. So Which it says, makes me feel sad because are there still forest lizards or is or is because there's not enough forests for the lizards to live in, they've had to adapt? Uh, I don't know that it says. Let me see. It basically says that organisms adapt and humans can design cities in ways that support all species. What? Oh. Wait a minute. Hold on. So this- Wait, human? No, they're saying humans can design cities in a way that supports all species, meaning like they can bring more greenery to cityscapes. Oh. Ha ha ha, silly. I totally missed that. Yeah. I thought they were saying that we should change the design of our cities to accommodate like these new species. Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> I was about to like lose it. <laughs> I was gonna say no, I, like I mean. So, have you ever, if you've ever been to like Vancouver, uh-huh. they focus on bringing a lot of greenery to the city, meaning like a lot of their building, a lot of their skyscrapers is really cool, or like their taller buildings, they have literally like a forest planted on top of them. Oh, it's really neat. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so this is what they said. They said the changes in these lizards, whose lifespans are roughly seven years, can occur very quickly within thirty to eighty generations. Oh, wow. 30 to 80 generations. I think in their generations, which is seven years. Hmm. Enabling them to escape from predators and survive in urban areas. It says the larger limbs, for example, enable them to run more quickly across a hot parking lot. And the special scales. I love how they have like. And the special. That's what the generation before them did. Right. The next right, one's right. like, Mom, you know, I don't these, know what you're talking right, about. These, this is fine. Yeah, these lizards are sitting around going, You know, when I was your age. <laughs> <laughs> when I was your age, we had to wear booties oh, to get man. across the hot pavement. <laughs> We weren't able to just run across, okay? <laughs> we weren't all adapted like you are. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, anyway, it says the scientists chased after dozens of lizards for their study, catching them with their hands or using fishing poles with a tiny lasso to snag them. Stop it. They might be the boobs now. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. I was oh, wondering who the boob in the story was. I is it the lizard or the city? <laughs> I don't know. This is, like, okay. She said, so this... Researcher said one of her favorite findings was a rare albino lizard. She also found a nearly eight-inch one, rather large for the species that she nicknamed Godzilla. Oh, Godzilla. Godzilla. Yeah. So anyway, I don't Cute. know. I don't know who the boob is in that story. Maybe the fact that we have to like have animals adapt because we have no forests. Oh, that's that breaks my little heart. <sighs> my too. little my little tree hugger heart. Your little lizard loving heart. <laughs> There's your boobs. Bibs in the news. Bibs in the news. Bibs in the news. And we're back. So let's talk about typical pain symptoms, right? Because somebody listening, you know, may not understand how chronic pain manifests, but we do see it in breast cancer patients. And I think the literature kind of says that 
post-surgical pain has been reported in about, (laughs) there was a large spread. It was 25 (laughs) to 60% of breast cancer survivors, Mm. which I thought was an enormous spread. A lot of the literature I saw said 25%, but you found some that said 25 Mm -hmm. to 60%. It sounded like it consistently correlated with younger age and lymph node dissection, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. yeah. What do you think younger patients would have less chronic pain because they're more physically fit? I mean, you would think mentally when, yeah, I, I don't know, you would think. But I think also there's just a lot more years that can happen. So a lot more scar tissue can lay down and, mm-hmm. you know, I get very in my body brain. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. So, you know, that's the kind I mean, when we hear from patients, it's usually pain related to their mastectomy. Uh-huh. Like you said, there can be scar tissue there. Mm-hmm. There can be lack of mobility. Yeah. Just sharp unexplained pain yeah oh i get nerve pain all the time nerve pain yeah right now like with this surgery that i had with my arm i thought it was interesting jason that you said it's considered chronic pain after it extends beyond three to six months of the surgery when i had this surgery they told me that the pain would last anywhere from six weeks to six months and for me i'm in month (laughs) i'm in month three and i mean it's definitely subsided but it's still there. So I kind of have that six month mark in my mind now as if it extends beyond the six months, I'm going to start getting concerned. Right. But I think, you know, a lot of women, when they have breast cancer, that's where the pain comes from. What, what do you see, Jason, in your practice? What are most people coming in with? Right. So I work at a pain management clinic. So the patients that I see often have been hurting for many years in, in, usually in more than one place. And each person's experience is always unique to them. But there are some commonalities. There are things, you know, first of all, the the pain is persistent and usually uh, is experienced throughout the day or often throughout the day or certain uh, specific activities or exercises. And it can be described in many ways, depending on the person. I've heard many different kinds of descriptions. It can be nagging, gnawing, aching, a lot of tightness and pressure is felt usually in the areas that hurt. And for many, and I'd say most, it can be very unpredictable as to how the pain will be experienced each and every day. So the person may not know how they're going to feel from one day to the next or how their body will respond to one activity versus another. Mm. And in many cases, as pain persists over, over time, the pain will spread. It can move around in the body and take on different qualities along the way. That really leaves the person feeling a number of different things, including confused, frustrated, disappointed, concerned, sometimes downright scared. And a lot of that has to do with the lack of information that they've been given. And the information that they are given is, in my opinion, often incomplete, if not outdated. So part of what I do is to help them see more clearly why the symptoms that they're experiencing have taken on the characteristics that they have over time and what they can do about that. Mm, Yeah. I can imagine getting up in the morning and your day, you have no idea what's going to come at you. If it's going to be a good day, a good body day, a bad body day, uh, you know, and then obviously then your thoughts are around that immediately. Oh, it's going to be a bad day. And now, now you just play that out. Everything that you just said so resonates with me because my sister suffers from chronic pain and she's three years younger than I am and has now since she had her daughter and her Mm -hmm. daughter's, you know, 11. Mm -hmm. But when you deal with chronic pain, 
or you know somebody that's dealing with it, it's so true. What works for her one day and gives her a little bit of relief does not work the next day. The pain is constantly moving to different body parts. I mean, they essentially diagnosed her with fibromyalgia, which is what I feel like they diagnose people with when they have chronic you know, pain that they can't really identify. Mm-hmm. But it's just, yeah, I mean, watching her do that, I think that people underestimate what a quality of life issue it is for those that are impacted by it. It's mm-hmm. just such a frustrating situation. And to your point, every day looks different. You know, mm-hmm. you have a good day, you have a bad day, you get a reprieve, you have a flare. Yeah. You know, the ice worked one day, now the ice hurts. Yeah. I mean, it's just so frustrating. Well, what I think is really interesting about your approach, Jason, is that you recognize that there are emotions tied to it. Yeah. What What is yeah. your approach, Jason? How you You said you spend a lot of time kind of understanding their situation and educating them about kind of the brain body connection. What could patients expect, you know, if they came to see you? There are a few different modes of, of treatment from the pain doctor side of it, the, the pain management side, which predominantly is... A combination of medication, but also different kind of procedural interventions like injections, nerve ablations, and for those that are that is appropriate for implanted devices like spinal cord stimulators. What I do is very different than that, and and in, in my mind, complementary to that. If I could put it in a word, I think my job is to empower patients in many as many ways as I can, and I think education is a huge part of that. Most folks are familiar with the expression, knowledge is power. And in this case, learning about pain can be very empowering, particularly when that learning encompasses the, the breadth of the condition that the person is experiencing. And when a person understands what they're dealing with more wholly and completely, and more importantly, what they can do about that, where they have agency, where they have some say-so over that, it can be very helpful in restoring autonomy over their health and well-being. So I spend a lot of time helping them understand, number one, how pain works, what happens in their system when pain becomes persistent and how that's a, it's predominantly a nervous system issue in my mind. The nervous system over time will become increasingly sensitive or sensitized. And then helping them recognize what they can do for it in addressing it. And this is where we can look at a lot of things like lifestyle factors, mm-hmm. uh, what a person does with their body day to day, whether or not they're getting good sleep. But the area that I do tend to focus on the most, uh, as, as Sarah mentioned, is yeah, are, is how emotion factors into that. And stress and emotion cannot be understated when it comes to pain, but I would say with all areas of our health. And you know, I usually try to open the door to patients in this way. If I said that being in pain all the time was stressful, would I be crazy? And then I'll usually get a, you know, no, you're not crazy. It's, it is stressful. But then I'll ask them, well, what if I said that stress makes your pain worse? And in most cases, I'll get a nod because I think folks recognize that when they're more stressed, they tend to hurt more. And now the door is open for them to learn more should they be interested. And the depth to which we can go to understand how emotions and stress and stress affect your health and pain is nearly limitless. But the area that I focus on the most, I think, or, or I try to focus on is how a person relates to their body and toward the part of the body that hurts. One thing that I think is really important to recognize is that our relationship to our symptoms and our health conditions 
absolutely affects those conditions and how we experience them, but also the health of our bodies. So when we recognize that we've had a major illness, cancer, or chronic pain, autoimmune condition, it can absolutely affect how we relate to that part of the body and to our body in general. And then as a result, that can change how we feel about ourselves, how we feel about our lives, and literally affect the health of our nervous system and our overall health as a result. So I, I, I try to help folks recognize that first and then how to come home to the body and be more of an ally and have compassion for themselves and the parts of the body that hurt in order to help their overall health picture, but also to help reduce the suffering and improve their quality of life. I think that there's so much in what you just said that's hopeful, which is something that pain patients struggle with is feeling hope. I know with my experience with my sister, it's like she often has this thought, is this the rest of my life? Mm -hmm. Is this how it's always going to be? Am I ever going to have another, you know, good day or am I going to be able to enjoy things again? Can you have you seen people who are in chronic pain? kind of address some of these issues and, and rebound from, from what they were experiencing? Absolutely. Is, does it happen every time? I, I wish, but a lot of times folks first and foremost are desiring a place where they can feel heard and validated and that the health condition that they're experiencing it has affected their lives and their work life, their home life, how they engage with their communities and interact with their friends and family. And I try to provide a space for them to be seen and and feel heard, but also to be more authentic with themselves and how this has affected them. A lot of times we, we try to put on a smile and move on or pull ourselves up by the bootstraps at the expense of being authentic with how we feel inside. And I think we as healthcare providers could provide that space for them. And then once they they feel hopefully more connected with themselves and aware of how this has impacted them in their lives, start to explore what it is that they want to be moving toward, which is, is where a lot of the coaching that I do comes in and helping folks recognize where they have unmet needs in their life, what, what their values are, what their strengths are. And slowly over the course of time, as we calm down their system, and then start restoring strength and balance and endurance in their bodies that they can then engage in life on some level close to what they once did so that they yeah can have hope again that things can can get better and they often do get better but it does take action on the patient's part and i think it's our job as providers as healthcare providers to help help them recognize what their motivations for the changes that are needed what those motivations are for them as individuals yeah. Oh, I love how all of your expertise kind of marries together. It, you you end up making this healthcare provider that's just kind of like that step above, you know, the typical people that you go see that are very like, this is this doesn't fit within my box of expertise, so I can no longer help you. <laughs> yeah, or yeah. a prescribed method, right? It's right. like more about an evolution. Yeah. Which feels, right. I think people- It's like the lizards. Yeah. <laughs> It, I think anytime you've been a patient, you know, like in a with a serious illness, you very quickly realize that you want a partner. 
Yeah. You don't want somebody to just be like, here's step A through, you know, F. Good luck. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You want a partner that's in this journey with you. It's very isolating to be suffering from, you know, a major illness or chronic pain. And so it's, again, I think it's where patients kind of expect healthcare to go. And I really commend you, Jason, for being on the front end of this because it's so necessary. Mm -hmm. Before we kind of end with your last words for patients and where people can find you, let's hear from our second sponsor. BJC Healthcare is proud to bring you the best medicine close to home. In addition to two full-service hospitals, Barnes Jewish St. Peter's and Progress West, community members in St. Charles County and beyond have access to the Siteman Cancer Center in St. Peter's, two convenient centers in the area, and doctor's offices across St. Charles County. Visit BJCStCharlesCounty.org to learn more. And we are back. So, Jason, can you let people know where they can find you and what other resources you have for them? Yeah, absolutely. So first, if if a person is interested in learning more about the kind of things that I share with my patients in the clinic that I've learned over over the years of, of studying and experience, things that have really shown to be very beneficial to folks with chronic pain, you can check out my website. It's insightempowers.com. And for those interested in treatment, if you live in the state of Tennessee, by chance, I could work with you, even if you don't live in Chattanooga, which is where I work at a a pain management clinic called Specialists in Pain Management. But my license covers the entire state of Tennessee, and you're welcome to reach out to me, and we can maybe arrange a a televisit and try to work with your insurance provider to, to get you seen for what we like to call pain PT. And you can email me. And my email address is jasonterrianpt at gmail.com. And I imagine, uh, do you all have show notes? Yeah, that we'll, you can put, we'll pop here? them in the show notes. Yeah. Well, Jason is a wealth of knowledge. So even if you're not in Tennessee, if you have anything that you need to questions. I was going to say well. really quick, Jason. So you're licensed in Tennessee, so you couldn't do telehealth outside of t- Tennessee then? Well, I, I can't do I can't do telehealth physical therapy. I've recently started a business uh, called Insight PT and Coaching, and that's what the website I was mentioning before, insightandpowers.com. The purpose of that is for me to be able to work with folks as a coach, and that can be anywhere, really, anywhere across the country or even around the world. So if there's a person who would like to schedule an appointment to work with me one-on-one virtually as a coach and a coach-client relationship. Also, we're looking to start some classes within the coming months through the Insight PT and Coaching. And those classes are would be open for anyone who wants to attend with chronic pain or maybe even other chronic illnesses or ongoing health issues like cancer. So be looking for that. And those classes will be posted on the website. Wonderful. That's awesome. All right. Well, thank thank you you so so much. much for being with us today. Yep. Until next time. See ya. Thank you for being a listener of the Besties with Breasties podcast. If this podcast had a positive impact on your journey, leave us a review or consider becoming a supporter. You can donate with the link in the show notes or at faiththroughfire.org. This episode was hosted by Sarah Hall and Beth Wilmus. Audio and production edits by Innovative Frequencies. (laughs) 